This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 Fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. God, I assume Tom. This morning, I have the pleasure of speaking with one of the professional dancers from Dancing with the Stars, which airs Monday nights at 8 p.m. on ABC, and also the first African American female dancer as a pro on the series. Britt Stewart, how are you today? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you. I'm excited to talk to you too. I mean, you get to sit there and you dance with a, a gold medal figure skater and Johnny Weir. Uh, you're doing everything right. Obviously, you've worked with Rihanna, you've worked with Demi Lovato, you've worked with uh, Nick Jonas, and the list continues on and on, and even been at the Super Bowl, so you're doing something right. <laughs> well, thank you. I feel very blessed to have the career that I've had, and it's been a magnificent 16, 16 years, and honestly, Dancing with the Stars and having the opportunity to dance and partner with Johnny Weir is just the cherry on top of it all. Well, Johnny has always been his, you know, beat to, uh, what's it called? Marching to the beat of his own drum. Johnny's always okay. been entertaining in what he does, and we're happy to see that uh, that's working out for him and for you on, on the season. Thank you. Yes, you know, I've just, ever since I met Johnny and knowing Johnny from, you know, the outside perspective of how the world sees him, I knew that he... He is a unique individual and a beautifully unique individual. He is proud to be who he is, and he is always true to his authentic self. So that is actually something before even meeting him, I'm really passionate about living my life like that. So I feel honored to be able to represent that with him, and it's just been a goal of mine to make sure that that shines every week, and I do my best to um, have my choreography show that. Well, the the series uh, continues to rise, and Tyra Banks has now taken over as the main host. Um, the the funny thing about the show is that every time I watch it, I can't get the announcer's head out or voice out of my head when he announces <laughs> Carrie Ann's name because he says it in such a manner that like it, it's like being on It's a Small World at Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that has been the voice since day one and is definitely Dancing with the Stars. I feel like anytime you say Dancing with the Stars, they either go da 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 or it's the voice. Right. Um, and it's definitely a Dancing with the Stars staple. <laughs> uh, tell me about the audition process for being on, on the series because obviously they, they rotate dancers uh, every season or two. And this is yeah. your first time being a part of the show. And to come on, you're not only ABC, but you're now officially, well, actually, no, because you were on, in High School Musical. So you've been a Disney kid for a while. Yes, Disney Disney started my career. I am forever grateful to Disney. Um, I started High School Musical when I was 15, and then I continued the rest of the trilogy movies finishing high school and then into my first year of college. And so um, I've definitely been a part of the Disney family for a while now. And, you know, Dancing with the Stars came at a very serendipitous moment for me. I was working as a dancer on, it was actually Disney's 60th anniversary. Um, it was a special that they were having in, I believe it was in 2016, and Derek Heff was um, 
hosting the event. And um, that is where Dancing with the Stars saw me dance, and that's how I got my audition. And when I first auditioned, it was to be on Troop. And the audition went very well, and I actually didn't think that I got on the show, but it was about six months after that when I got the call to be on the following season. And um, it happened very quickly, and <laughs> I was signing my contract on the way to my first day of rehearsal. And then I continued to be on troop for five seasons and two of the live Dancing with the Stars tours. And then after my last tour with Dancing with the Stars as a troop member, they were looking for new pros and had a huge audition. Um, and being on troop, they of course invited all of the troop members at the time. And there we had to choreograph two different routines. It was, um, Two two ballroom routines, a Latin and a ballroom routine that differed in styles. And then there was an on-camera interview. And then something that was really cool is we had to teach someone that we had never met before, a non-dancer, how to do a little, like, one little dance move. And, of course, that was filmed as well. And um, that audition went very well for me. And having conversations with, you know, some of the producers and people behind the scenes, I knew that I had had a su- successful audition, but that the cards were just not in the right place for season 28. And I wasn't a part of season 28, and unfortunately that season they got rid of troops. So I wasn't involved in the last season of Dancing with the Stars. And so it was almost a little bit, you know, symbolic and the same to the to when I got on Troop, you know, it was almost a whole year later after my audition, I thought that being on Dancing with the Stars and being promoted to a pro was completely off the table, and then I got the call um, from Andrew and from Dina, two of our executive producers, saying that they wanted me to be a pro on season 29, and I just completely lost it. I was in shock. I was emotional, and just, but overwhelmingly happy and grateful. You know, it, it's fantastic to sit there, although I'm still a bit confused as to how you're signing your contract on the way to the first audition. Oh, sorry, to my first day of rehearsal. Oh, I'm sorry. That was on Troop, yeah. Oh, for Troop? Yeah. Okay. I th- yeah, that was for Troop. Like, the way I'm listening to it, I was like, wait a minute, she she got on the show and she hasn't even signed the contract to be on the show yet? It's like first day of audition on the way to meet Johnny? That would be interesting. <laughs> Oh no, sorry. So that was, um, so that was when I was on Troop. Okay. I, I got the call to be on Troop six months after my first original audition. And, um, and then after five seasons and two tours, then I auditioned to be a pro. And then a whole year later, after that is when I found out that I was going to be a pro on season 29. And then I met Johnny about, um, I think it was about three weeks after that. That's that's awesome. What is it like in regards to working with a Olympian? I mean, you know, you, you've worked with some seriously talented Grammy award winning people. You've been a part of some huge productions, but there's still something there. That's a little bit of being in awe with somebody that is literally the number one figure skater in the world. Yes. I mean, he, uh, working with Johnny, 
has exceeded my expectations. You know, coming into it, I had an idea of what it might be like to work with an Olympic figure skater. Um, but it's just been absolutely amazing. It's the passion. It's the hard work. It's the work ethic. It's the attention to detail that he strives for in rehearsal and in performance. Um, and his performance value too. You know, he has, he has had so much experience performing live, performing on television. And, you know, he still gets nervous and it's still a new art form. It's still a new sport that he's learning, but he's really able to utilize his performance quality and his work ethic that he's developed as an Olympian, which is very exciting. And I could not ask for anything better my first season. Did you become a little bit competitive with him at some point? Because, you know, he is an Olympian and he's trying to get better at dancing, even though that isn't his forte, but it's your world. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing him kind of catch up throughout the season. So, like, mm -hmm. does your creative juices start flowing or are you too busy trying to beat Nelly? <laughs> you know, no, my creative, my creative juices are always flowing. And, you know, Johnny and I, we are fiercely competitive, but we are mostly competitive with ourselves. We are both perfectionists, and so we strive for perfection each week. But really, we just want to have growth in the competition, and we want to make ourselves proud, and we want each week to be better than the to be better than the past week. So yes, our cre our creative juices are always flowing. Our competitive side is definitely out, and don't get me wrong. We want to make it to finals. We want to, we want to win the Mirabal, but really we, you know, we are just so much enjoying the process. We are the most competitive with ourselves and honestly, just who we are and who we are as partners, we are just looking to inspire and to allow our audience to feel something from our performances. I love that because a lot of people, I think, forget that aspect of things and that, mm. you know, you have to, your number one competitor is yourself, not the person you're yeah. leaning over. Yes, exactly. You know, we, we of course support our, um, our fellow competitors and this season in particular, there's a lot of camaraderie, uh, between everybody because we're all each other has right now and we're the only people in the ballroom. So there is a lot of support, but we really just try to make our bubble really between Johnny and I very close knit with just us. And, um, and yes, like you said, we, we are the most competitive with ourselves. Take us back to Disney week. You know, I mean, it, it was going to be a given the, that Carol was going to do the Lion King thing. I mean, we got to play <laughs> it the whole cat thing. No problem. Uh, was there I, a part of you that thought they were going to like push the high school musical thing on you again? Not necessarily. I think push is the wrong phrase because you had fun doing that and you were part of the trilogy. But, like, they were mm -hmm. going to revitalize that for you? Or were you looking to do something else that was still Disney-related? Because, unfortunately, you know, we couldn't be at Disneyland or Disney World for, for any of the tapings this year. I know. Um, you know, what's interesting is it's so funny. I um, – this whole process, Johnny, is like, this is, this is about you, too. You know, I want to try to make this your first season, your mark on the show – significant and I keep reminding him yes we are partners but this is also you know my job is to show Johnny and show his journey and show America who he is and all the different shades of who he is and allow America to really learn who he is and so I think that 
our choice of doing reflection from Mulan could not have been better. We, um, Johnny really loves that song. And so it's something that he was really passionate about doing. And I'm so happy with the choice that we made. And I thought the dance turned out beautifully and I thought he performed it beautifully. And honestly, only being the third week, I felt like it was our first dance that was really, that he felt comfortable with and that went over very well with the judges and the audience as well. I dig it. Cause yeah, it's, it's fun to see. I think that the great appeal is it is like, Oh, it's interesting to see, you know, professionals from a different field come into dance. But what I, th- I think that the majority of people are excited to see is the progression of somebody in a field that they're not used to. I mean, mm-hmm. ice skating, yeah, it's sort of close in a sense because he has to have great form. But again, he mm-hmm. doesn't have knives on his feet rolling around uh, on the <laughs> ice, you know, or on the dance floor in this regard. Um, right. Throughout the season, as this progresses, and again, you're both competitive people, who are you looking at that's still there that you're like, mm, this is the couple I really need to worry about? I have to tell you, I don't think that there's necessarily one couple to look out for. This season is filled with some heavy hitters. I think this is the most talented group of celebrities that we have had maybe ever on Dancing with the Stars. Um, and, you know, if somebody might not be as strong as a dancer, they have a massive fan base. You know, Nelly, for example, he is, his first of all, his performance quality is amazing, amazing, and he always brings a quality and an energy to the ballroom that is not like anybody else. But he also has this massive fan base, same with Sky. So I think that it's hard to just pinpoint one couple right now because I really think it's anyone's game. So we'll, we'll see. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough season. And like I said, we want to make it to the finale. Um, I'm just going to leave it like that. We want to make it to the finale. <laughs> oh, come on. Don't give me the politically correct answer. Just tell me that Artem sucks and that's the end of it. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Oh my gosh. You know what? I love <laughs> Artem and Caitlin is a joy. So I can't even... <laughs> It's, you know what? It's funny. We even have this week we're doing a dance-off between um, all the different couples, and we're dancing off against AJ and Cheryl. And for Johnny and I, you know, we are definitely competitive, and we want to win the dance-off. Do not get me wrong. We are going to win the dance-off. But also, we're looking at each other, and, like, we're about to share a stage with a Backstreet Boy. Even though we were both NSYNC fans, we're about to share a stage with a Backstreet Boy. And then me as a new pro, I'm about to share the stage with Cheryl Burke, who is the OG, you know, Dancing with the Stars pro. She has been there the absolute longest. So as competitive and as much as we want to win, we're also very excited to be dancing off against Cheryl and AJ. So as of now, Britt Stewart is throwing in her hat to become governor of her local state with how politically sweet she's been in her display (laughs) Of siding and being nice to everybody. Uh, <laughs> no, we have to crack some jokes and, ju- and just, you know, may- because the world is falling apart right now and we're trying to get past this pandemic. So we got to make light of things, yeah. you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll make light of things, but I promise you, you probably won't hear much different from me. And if you ask and- anyone that knows me really well, they'll say the same thing. I know. And we got to pick on Artem a little bit because he just had a baby with a professional wrestler. So we know that, and he's rushing on top of it. So we know the guy. Right. Guy. 
you know, we can't pick on somebody that's going to be like overly sensitive and start crying and going, really, I can't believe they said it, said that about me. You know, right. Artem's a tough guy. He can, he can handle himself. So that's why we're going to pick on Artem just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the whole thing, I, I would be remiss not to ask this because you're a dancer. You've been doing this, I'm guessing since you were like three years old. I, that is correct. You know, parent, parents saw you grooving in, in the crib or, or, you know, they're playing <laughs> tunes in the car and you're in your car seat when you can mm-hmm. still grab your feet and, and, uh, <laughs> you know, without having to stretch. How do you stay healthy after all these years? I mean, sprained ankles, broken toes, you know, uh, possibly torn ligaments in the knee because you twisted wrong or the, or you slipped on the high heel or whatever. How do you stay healthy through all of this? You know what? I have been, knock on wood, I've been very fortunate. I've broken one bone, and it wasn't even from dancing. Uh, I was in the fifth grade, and I was running with these little, like, Mary Jane shoes in recess. And I twisted my ankle and broke my foot. So that was the only time I broke my foot. But personally, for me, it's all about taking care of my body. So, you know, I try to stretch and do yoga and Pilates in addition to my dance training. And, you know, I do a lot of self-care. I do, um, like, baths, Epsom salt baths. I eat well. I stay hydrated. You know, I feel like taking care of your body is an essential part of my career, and I make it part of my career. So I make it a part of my day that is non-negotiable. Um, and then also, too, you know, checking in with my mental health as well, I think, helps that in addition to it all. And how do you take care of your mental health? I mean, do you pray? Do you sit and meditate? Uh, do you turn off the noise for 15, 20 minutes every couple of hours? Like, what's your routine to keep yourself mentally healthy, especially since mm-hmm. we're living in Huxley's brave new world and we just have so much information overload? I know. It's, first of all, shutting down the phone is essential. Um, at least for, if you can even find like 10 minutes during the day. Just to have a screen time break um, is essential for me. But the biggest thing for me is prayer and meditation. It's part of my day that I always feel lighter after. It helps me stay centered and grounded. And it also brings in clarity, I think, too. If you just sit, you know, and sometimes I don't always have time for a full-on 30-minute prayer and meditation sesh, you know, sometimes it's only five minutes. Sometimes it's me just closing my eyes, taking deep breaths, doing a little bit of breath work for five minutes, and then I go along with my day. So prayer and meditation is major for me. Those are the those are the things that really help my um, mental health. And then, you know, too, I'm not currently in therapy, but I always recommend therapy, and I've done therapy in the past. And I think therapy sometimes has a connotation on it that you have to have an issue or a problem <laughs> to go to therapy. And really it's just nice to talk to somebody that is unbiased about your life and about what's going on. So, um, so there's that too, but prayer and meditation is the number, are those, that is the number one thing for me to stay mentally healthy. So, so everything has been, you know, there to, to keep you sane, which a, a lot of people uh, haven't been able to do as of late. And I'm, I'm grateful that you're doing it because you seem so happy and chipper in all of this. <laughs> and most people are, you know, sitting in the corner, sucking down ice cream. I know, you know, there is, which don't get me wrong, yes, I love ice cream, so. yeah, I love ice cream. I mean, do not give me a coffee ice cream. I will eat the whole thing. But, um, you know, yes, I am positive. I always try to stay positive. But, you know, also knowing that 
I have anxiety and I have stress and I definitely have low moments and it's about accepting those times and then finding a way to get out of it. So you're not there for too long. Um, you know, I think also too, there's a lot of people sometimes get, and including myself, people get uncomfortable with the unknown and uncertainty. And I think that's a lot of what's happening during this year of 2020, that there's a lot of uncertainty with everything. And so it's, I strive to find peace and to find love in that space. Because for me in particular, that when things aren't defined or I don't know what the future looks like, that that's when I personally struggle the most. So 2020 has been a year of being comfortable with the uncomfortable for me. I got you. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people are learning how to be comfortable with the uncomfortable at this point. Well, yeah, I think so too. And I think it's okay. I think there's a lot going on in the world. Right. And so I think it's okay to feel those feelings and have a moment where you sit in the corner and eat ice cream. But as long, you know, but then finding those coping tools and those things that can keep you healthy, I think is just as important. What's it like for your parents to see you get on Dancing with the Stars after already having been a Disney kid? Like how excited are they for that? Because it's kind of come full circle. And even on top of that, you've worked with Janet Jackson. So like, how do you top working with Janet? Oh, well, Janet Jackson is amazing. She is one of the artists that I really wanted to work for. I've always been a Janet girl. I've always been a fan of her music, um, especially growing up. So to have the opportunity to dance for her was amazing. I've had two moments where I've, full-on bawled my eyes out after a performance, and that was one of them after I performed with Janet for the first time, and then when I was um, on tour with Katy Perry, and then I cried after we did the Super Bowl performance, because that will, it might be the biggest audience that I have and will dance for, just, you know, in the stadium, but also everyone that's tuning in. Um, so they, you know, my parents, first of all, shout out to mom and dad, because I have, I have been blessed to have the most amazing parents. They, neither of them are dancers. Um, they're both business people and they have been in my life the most supportive, willing to give up anything for me. I truly have the best mom and dad and they are so thrilled that I am now a pro on Dancing with the Stars. They're even more thrilled that I'm making history as the first black female pro. And, um, you know, they are campaigning to all of their friends, their church people, their communities to get votes out for Johnny and I. And they're also, you know, I FaceTime and call them regularly. And they're, you know, it's hard because of the pandemic. They so wish that they could be here with me um, and to be supporting me and in the audience or even just to be in L.A. to support me in any way possible, but unfortunately they can't, but we make it up with phone calls and FaceTimes and, um, I just love my mom and dad so much. They, they're so supportive of me. Well, let's touch on that a bit because, you know, it's difficult being an artist with rational parents who aren't artists that mm -hmm. will always look at it as a hobby rather than as a career. And mm -hmm. yet they've been supportive of you for that. But on top of that, you're also the first professional dancer on Dancing with the Stars that wasn't a celebrity. Like, mm -hmm. Let's touch on that real quick before we before we figure out the thing with your parents, which I think is okay. totally cool. 
Um, <laughs> when does it dawn on you? It's not like you get the contract and there's a big, you know, red ink stamp on the top going first black dancer on dancing with the stars. Like there has to be some moment where you sit there and you go through, you know, 20 plus seasons, 25 plus seasons and go, wait a minute, I'm the first one. Like, does it dawn on you or did someone have to point it out? Well, I'll tell you this. It, someone had to, I think someone pointed it out to me when I was on troop. Um, because they had never, even though they have, you know, celebrities that are of diversity and they always have like extra dancers as diversity, the ones that are hired, you know, on an episode basis. I was, even on Troop, I was the first regular dancer of color. And I think it was someone that pointed out to me and I hadn't really realized it. And then I went back and I saw, oh, wow, this is true. And, um, you know, I, it's definitely remarkable and an honor. And then I, so I knew being promoted to pro beforehand that I was going to be the first black female just because of Troop and all of that. And, um, you know, representation is something that I really take seriously and it's something that really matters to me. So, you know, I'm honored and I don't take it lightly. And I hope that my now position that I'm in can help inspire and show that ballroom is accessible to everyone. And I hope that I can, you know, do things in my life to help support that. Um, Were a lot of people surprised because, they they have the stereotype that black people don't necessarily do ballroom dancing, that don't necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, do more traditional traditional ballet dancing, that mm-hmm. it's just, you know, jazz, tap, hip-hop, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And you've broken that stereotype on top of it. What does that mean to you as an individual? Because, you know, we get tired of just seeing, like, I hate the phrase person of color. You know, my family's yes. from the Middle East, and I hate mm-hmm. the phrase you know, person of color, because either way, you're still calling us colored people, whether you put people first or colored first, the word color is still there. And that, Mm. you know, to me, that gets annoying. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting. I think people now are searching for anything that is politically correct and anything that is, I feel like we're at a moment right now where people don't really know what to say. And so some people, when they say people of color, they might not know that Oh, this, and you know, I also feel like too that there's a lot of, um, different things in different communities as well. Like I think some people really truly like to be called African American versus other people like to just say, okay, I'm, I'm black or some people, it's, I think it's really shifting and I think we're trying, we're in this space where we're really trying to find what that means and what that voice really looks like. As far as dance is concerned, you know, um, I, I've always been one to try and break the mold and try to break the stereotype. Even when I was younger, I, when I first started dancing, tap was my specialty. And it was my, one of my dance teachers that said, okay, I, especially because my parents didn't really know much, she saw potential in other dance styles for me. And she was the one that had the conversation with my parents to say, you know, I don't want Brit to be another stereotypical black dancer. I want her to be able to do everything. And this is coming from my dance teacher who is, is not diverse. You know, she, she's a white woman and she saw potential in me and had the ability to see beyond, you know, beyond my race, beyond what I look like. And even more so 
wanted me to break the stereotype. So for me, it really started when I was young. This happened when I was like eight. So it's always been something that's been instilled in me. And I've always strived to break stereotypes. And I really want to break stereotypes always. You know, I think people like Misty Copeland, who's breaking the stereotype in ballet, you know, hopefully I'm breaking the stereotype in ballroom, at least here in America. There's another ballroom dancer. Her name is OT. She's on Strictly Come Dancing. She was the first black, or yeah, she was the first black female pro on our sister show in Strictly. And, you know, it's people like us that are really trying to make a change. And I just hope that we're opening doors to allow more of that to happen. And, you know, I think in America, too, it's the fact that the black community just doesn't have the access yet. And I think that inclusivity starts with opportunity. So I think if we can create greater access and opportunity for black communities to see other possibilities, I think that will help. That's awesome. And, like, is there a part of you that wants to sit there and, like, open up your own school and help other uh, young black women and, and black children go into ballroom and, and other styles of dance as well? Well, I'm actually in the process. I'm um, creating a new foundation. I'm president of the board, and we're launching this foundation in, um, in next year. And it is exactly that. Our whole goal is to create um, more diversity in the professional dance world by um, by sponsoring diverse kids in underserved communities in their dance training from anywhere from sixth grade, then all the way through when they graduate high school and then into their 13th year, their transition year, whether they, you know, want to go to college or start their professional dance career right away, we will support them in that um, transition year. And so we're working on that. And I'm very excited about that because then I think that can be, you know, it's exactly my mission in a foundation. So to help create that access, that opportunity, and then hopefully create um, more, more professional dancers that have diversity and that don't have to just be, you know, of course, if they want to be backup dancers and their main style and what they love to do is hip hop. I love that. But then also allowing them to see other possibilities in the dance world too. Right. But it's kind of like going back into like the late eighties, early nineties where Rosie Perez was um, part of In Living Color, and she was the coordinator for the Fly Girls. And then she's like, oh, mm. you're, you're a ballet dancer? Incorporate that into the street dancing. Oh, you did you did jazz? Throw that in here. You, you Like you, ballroom, put this over here as yeah. well. And just blend it all together to create a more modern and, dare I say, for the time, urban dancing. I hate the I hate when they try to use it. I know. You, you know, in the dance community, we've actually – I know there's no, there's not a word. This is why I said earlier, I think we're in transition because there's not really another word yet for urban, but it's been a conversation in the dance community that we need to stray away from, you know, the term urban dance style or urban dance. Um, anyway, but yes, absolutely. People like Rosie Perez. I love that. I love the ability to be able to blend all these different, you know, dance styles or where you come from versus your training and your culture. I think that's, I love that stuff. I love it. Is there a particular style internationally that, that you've seen, whether it's Bollywood or Middle Eastern or uh, some of the drummers from Japan where, where they uh, incorporate some of their movements with, with mm. uh, beating on the drums that you want to incorporate into your own style of dance and interpretation? 
You know what? That's really interesting. I grew up, um, I went to a performing arts middle school through high school and I, I had the ability to train in a couple different world dances. Like we did African and we did flamenco. Um, but you know, I think I need to, I'll be completely transparent. I would love to educate myself more on different world dances. You know, I've never done Bollywood dancing or Middle Eastern dancing. And I think that only, you know, grows your knowledge of dance and helps just, you know, fulfill and make your dancing possible and more um, well-rounded. And so I'm going to be transparent and I'm going to say that I think I need to look more into that to see, to see what might I be interested in. Well, that's cool. I mean, you're, you're open to new things. So that, that makes it more accessible to you as a person who's open to trying something different. I often, oh, I'm always open to trying something different. Always. I dig it. I, I often joke with, with my friends. I was like, racism doesn't work because there's so many different types of delicious food across the planet that these people couldn't be bad. If they could make something that delicious, like, you know, it's something that we joke about. And then, uh, and then of funny. course, I'll add to it, except like, except for those people, because their food sucks. But other, oh. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, you, ha- you have to have a little bit of fun in this world. And we, yes, we, we you do, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. With, with everything going on, and let's go back to your parents. You know, you said they're, they're straight-laced business people, but they were extremely supportive of you going into the arts and dance, which some people consider a risky career. Um, mm-hmm. how do you convince your parents that not only, Hey, um, I really want to do this, but you know, like, do you have to have a backup plan? Do you have to, um, you know, go to college and they force you to like get a degree and in, in something just so there's something there? Like, how does that work for you? You know, my parents were the exact opposite. <laughs> they, um, I think that they saw that I was talented from a young age. So they put a lot into my dance training and giving me access in the dance world. And I think it also helped that I started working early. So when I was 15 is when I did the first high school musical. And so I think they saw the potential for a dance career and learned what it was earlier than maybe most parents would. Um, you know, being business people, they still encourage me to go to college. And I also love schools. So I wanted to go to college. Um, I went to Loyola Marymount. I got accepted into Loyola, Loyola Marymount University here in LA. Congratulations. And, oh, thank you. And I, but I did not graduate from there. I went for a semester and a half. Then halfway through my second semester is when, um, I, I, dropped out of my second semester to do high school musical three. And my parents were completely supportive of that. They encouraged me to do it. In fact, and it was after high school musical three, I finally got a dance agent and I had had a couple opportunities come up that summer. So I, you know, said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stay at a school still for the fall semester. Um, because a lot of dance opportunities are coming up. And then I was trying to decide if I wanted to go back or not. And it was actually my parents that told me, you know, Britt, it's okay. I think God is showing you that this is the path that you need to take. Opportunities just keep coming up and leave school. School will always be there. You know, 
your dance career is happening now. So go, just go for it. And then if you want to go back to school, you always can. So, and then I didn't end up going back to school because my dance career kept going. And, um, not to say that there were ever, you know, there were low points in my dance career where I wasn't working as much and my parents were still supportive of me. Um, but you know, they were also, even though they said, okay, it's okay to leave school, you know, I stopped getting an allowance. <laughs> they were like, well, now you're in the professional world. So, you know, and of course, if I needed help or whatever, they would be there. But, you know, they're like, okay, you're going to leave school, but now you're an adult. And so, uh, which I'm happy that they did because, you know, I learned to survive on my own, but also knowing that my parents are supportive as well. But, um, yeah, they encouraged me to live my life in the arts and, um, and I think, and they're really proud of me. They're really proud of the career that I've had. And, you know, them also being business people as well, they've taught me, you know, to being in the arts world, how to manage my money. And my dad's a CPA. So he, he helps me with that. And, you know, they're both also entrepreneurs. So they're, you know, they will still remind me, well, do you want to start something of your own? Do you want to do this? We have those sort of conversations all the time. So they're just fiercely supportive and just honestly bomb.com parents. They're just awesome. Nice. And they're helping you with your finances. So you're not going to get ripped off. Right. You know, you're right. You're going to deal with that. <laughs> yes. You know, you're not going to be like one of those, uh, E true Hollywood stories. And then I found out my, my agent was stealing 90% of, of all my earnings. Right. <laughs> it's crazy how, um, how common that is. Yeah. I had no idea that it's horrible. I can't believe people even think that they can do that. It's horrible. You know, it, it's, it's a crazy world we live in pre and post pandemic or while well, we're currently in the pandemic. Um, right. Yeah. It's, it's just sad to see all that, but I'm glad that you have such a great support system. And one bright thing about the pandemic for you and college, it's all online right now. So you could do it from home. I could, you know, I joke with my friends. I'm really into homeopathic medicine and all that sort of stuff and taking care of your body and all of that. And I, I joke that I will one day become a naturopath or some sort of homeopathic doctor and then I can heal all my friends. But, um, <laughs> but so you never know. School still might be in my future, you know, years down the, years down the line. Who knows? I dig it. I'm going to leave you with this because I know you're busy today. You know, uh, the, the show is, uh, all over the place. We're getting ready for Monday's episode. So you got to rest up and, you know, ice those knees and ankles just to be safe. Yeah. This is your first season on Dancing with the Stars. You are the first black professional dancer on Dancing with the Stars. How much more of an icing? Or cherry on top of the cake, would it be to win the mirror ball on your first season as the first black dancer with the first time taking it all? Oh man, honestly, that would be a dream come true. It would, it would, you know, it would be amazing. I, I'm usually very much, you know, I think sometimes it's hard to like really ask what you want for. But this would be amazing. It would set everything over top, over top. It would just, it, I, I, to be honest, it, it's hard to put into words because it would be that amazing. It would be that cool. 
Well, well, Britt, I am proud of you for doing what you've done at such a young age. I mean, to Thank sit you. there and pull it off and then go full circle and come back to Disney with the ABC family, Dancing with mm-hmm. the Stars, still one of the most highly rated shows on television. Um, you're definitely doing something right. And I'm thrilled for you and your family taking care of you. Britt Stewart, where can we find you on social media if we want to connect with you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate those those kind words. You can find me on Instagram at Britt Benet, B-R-I-T-T-B-E-N-A-E, and on Twitter at Britt B. Stewart. I dig it. Britt Stewart, Dancing with the Stars, first African-American professional dancer, uh, uh, an extremely young and talented performer, working with an Olympian on top of all of this, going full circle, coming back to the Disney family. Dancing with the Stars airs Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on ABC. Check out the series as it continues to flourish. And Britt, I can't wait to talk to you again for next season and for when when your charity and your organization is finally fully launched off the ground and up and running. We'll talk about that more in depth. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, RC. Absolutely. Pleasure is mine, all right? I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye.